Welcome back to Here's the Deal. Today's episode is pure fire. I literally could not get this up fast enough. I believe that everyone needs to listen to this episode with Joe Ivan. Joe is a licensed mental health counselor, professional coach, and holistic nutritionist. He works with people all over the world dealing with their eating issues, um, body image issues, etc. This is another episode that is basically like a therapy session that you may or may not know that you needed. In this episode, we talk about so many things. I initially wanted to have him on to talk strictly about body dysmorphia, but of course, body dysmorphia is um, just the, a presentable issue for things that are actually quite deeper than that. Some of my favorite quotes from Joe are, number one, fat is not a feeling. Number two, when we realize that it's so much easier for us to believe a lie than to believe we were lied to. And then finally, the true essence of healing is to recognize that the way I choose to see myself will impact my life. The stories I believe about myself will impact my life. If you... (laughs) have ever been on a diet, if you have lost a significant amount of weight, if you struggle with body image, if you are a fitness professional, I honestly believe, like I said, everyone needs to listen to this episode. I plan on having Joe on again and again because he truly is a gift. You guys, please enjoy this podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I am so excited today. I know we always say this, but for real, legit, I am so excited today because I'm talking with my good friend, Joe Ivan, who is a therapist. I am obsessed with therapists, but specifically Joe. Um, I make all of my friends follow you on social media because you post Uh, the best content. You are vulnerable. You speak the truth. And I just think we all need more Joe in our lives. Um, tell Tell us about the kind of therapy that you practiced? Yeah. Well, you know, I would say that I call myself an integrative therapist. I'm a big believer of acknowledging that we heal in the body, we heal in the mind, and we heal in the soul. And being able to really bring those things together. Um, some of I predominantly work with clients that have body and food issues. I work with the gamut of everything. But what thing, one thing that I do that's a little bit non-traditional is I'm a big believer of helping people realize that the work in the therapy office is just one piece of the puzzle. And so sometimes with my clients that are struggling, let's say they're struggling with the shame with their body and going to like a gym, for example, I'll meet them at SoulCycle and we will practice next to each other. And I will be the whole, I will be next to them basically doing therapy, encouraging them and saying, you know, be proud of yourself that you're here. Please don't look around at the other bodies. Be connected to yourself. You're a badass. I mean, I took, an, I took a client who believed that she was too heavy to even take a walk with me. I, I met her at a CrossFit class one time because she said that was her dream. 
And I said, well, why don't we do it together? I said, I'll just be your partner. I'll help you with it. You know, um, I go and sometimes eat with clients when we'll go to like a uh, coffee shop and I'll say, I know that you have deep shame around ordering a cookie. I'd like you to order a cookie and a beverage and I'm going to sit with you because the thing that I believe truly, and we're such a culture of like top five reasons or this meme or read this article, every person's healing is different. For some of my clients, saying no to a cookie is profoundly healing. For some of my clients, giving themselves permission to have an ice cream with their child can be transformative. And so really respecting the individuality and also respecting the idea that everyone heals a little bit differently. It's not a one size fits all. So I would say for sure I'm integrative, but I'm also a big believer of kind of cutting through the bullshit and not just sitting there shaking my head yes to someone for the hour mm -hmm. you, know? <laughs> so, you know i'm a big believer of like we heal in relationship we heal in exposure we heal in the doing like i mean at the end of the day kylie i could watch one of your fitness videos every single day for five years but what would heal me is when i get up and i actually feel it in my body yeah. and that's how i think psychologically as well mm -hmm. we can talk through our stories but until we actually move beyond them and really start to see it as a story because you know we can see our stories i feel the stories become part of our dna and we start to believe it as truth mm -hmm. and i'm a big believer of the story's real the story's yours mm -hmm. how true is it <laughs> yeah uh-huh everything is subjective <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely and i think that when it comes to what we're experiencing now with the quarantine and the stay at home you know everybody's everybody is in a struggle differently and what i mean by that is some parents are trying to homeschool their children and it's very it's evoking all of their shame and incompetence like i'm talking to brilliant amazing people every day judging themselves that they're like failing their child because they don't know how to like homeschool them yeah and i'm working with people that are feeling embarrassed that they're like sticking a frozen pizza in front of their kid because at the end of the day they're exhausted and so again it's like <clears throat> this experience of all of us either staying home or a business being closed or having to do things differently is i think highlighting and illuminating all of those kind of cobwebs to our psyche and cobwebs to our soul that we were masterful at distracting from you know yeah it's so funny um i made a post yesterday about this being a test and yes one of our a mutual friend of ours actually chimed in and she said well do you ever feel like you're failing the test and i said honestly my teacher's really easy my teacher is me i have yes. the bar set so low and i'm not saying i got it all figured out at all, but I will say, if yeah. someone's on their iPad for eight hours, I mean, they're on their iPad for eight hours. Sue me, yeah. you know? <laughs> right. But it's, that's where we're at right now. Yes, well, the thing is too, is we are, <clears throat> the way that I like to look at it is having real conversations and telling the truth, the one that we don't wanna tell. Yeah. And we are essentially experiencing trauma and crisis right now because collectively we are. Yeah. And I find that those of us that struggle with perfectionism, those of us that struggle with body image issues will be 
targeting our our hearts what i mean by that is we'll beat ourselves up and we'll use the quarantine or the weight gain or anything as a way to say i'm not enough mm. here's my proof like we're in a we're in a global crisis mm -hmm. and beautiful amazing people will use that as an opportunity to be like i'm not enough Mm -hmm. I'm overwhelmed. I'm, you know, this is, I'm, let, let me prove to you how bad I am. Yeah. And so just again, like, I feel like it's going to come out in my work and your work. You're going to see it tenfold. Oh yeah. Uh, this is so interesting. So the main reason that I, I wanted to speak with Joe today and I've wanted to talk to him for over a year now is to talk about body dysmorphia and yeah. I'll explain how I understand it but then of course he has a better <laughs> explanation or description of it so well it might I be different theory... but i'm thinking you will have a good one too yeah thank you <laughs> <laughs> i have this theory that none of us truly know what we look like whether when we look at ourselves in the mirror and when we look at ourselves in pictures um because of my own personal experience and with my client's experience and i just want to explore like we don't know what we look like so if we're being super hard on ourselves and you right. you actually look fantastic you don't, you're not seeing that. So how, what, how can you right. describe it or explain it from your perspective? Well, I would say from a psychological perspective when it comes to body dysmorphia, it is a, an obsession or distraction from what's going on internally. And so we start to focus it externally, whether it be, let's say, you know, we can look in the broader sense of someone that just is obsessed with calling themselves fat over and over and like that stopping them from maybe showing up in the world that they um, showing up in the world in a way that feels good to them. Or someone is obsessed with their nose being too big and they must get a, um, a nose job or things like that. It's really more of a, you know, invasive thought process that takes up a lot of rent in our mind mm. and what what I believe especially when it comes to body dysmorphia is like that's more of the clinical term you know I would say that for years we use like you know self-conscious or body image issue but really when we're looking at the dysmorphia what we are starting to see psychologically is those of us that have experienced those of us that experience anxiety underlying depression traumas body dysmorphia comes in as a powerful distractor because if you experience trauma in your life and you bury it, and the body and the soul are going to be begging for you on some level to work with it. But the ego and the mind is going to come in and say, you know what? You'll deal with that later as soon as you get this five pounds off. You know, you will deal with that late. Like, you know what's really upsetting you right now is like your cheeks look full in the mirror. That's really what, I mean, that's really, I think from a psychological perspective, when I work with dysmorphia and body image, two pieces, I help people see that it's a distraction. And I also get really real around how I go there as well. You know, this pandemic has shown me that because I'm doing everything on video, I'm noticing that like looking at my image on video all the time, I start to be more critical. I start to like look at like, oh, my receding hairline or I'm getting thin on top or, oh, I didn't realize I had as many wrinkles around my eyes as I thought. Like that part, I think it forces us to be human and recognize that we struggle with that. But deeper than that is recognizing that body dysmorphia is a powerful distraction from not feeling what we want to feel. It could be boredom, Kylie. It could be yeah. boredom. You know? I mean... That is, it's so powerful because it makes you examine, right? What am I not willing to feel right now? Right. And you, 
from my experience too, we see it on um, both ends of the spectrum. And you know, you mentioned the nose and things of that nature, but yeah, I have some male friends who who used to be thin and now they're very muscular. And one of they they don't see themselves as big and muscular as they are, whereas right. some like others of us don't see ourselves as thin as we are. So it works both ways. As a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Well, because it's about the image. Yeah. So it's about a willingness to be able to let go of the identity that we are connected to. Like I'll share personally, I was a very chubby kid and I struggled deeply with my weight as in adolescence and probably into my early twenties. Letting go of the identity of a fat kid has been a lifelong journey. I mean, Kylie, I would look in the mirror at a fitness class and see myself fairly strong in a tank top, killing it. Mm -hmm. That voice in the back of my head is like, you're still a fat ass. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, but I would recognize the voice. Yeah. I'd recognize the voice. And I think that the difference between being in the throes of the pain versus being in the healing role is that you recognize the voice as an old voice an old identity so when it comes up again and i like even during this quarantine piece i'm definitely not as active as i'm used to i'm definitely eating more especially like i find myself like when i'm in my office seeing clients i don't snack throughout the afternoon when i'm at home on zoom after every call i'm like let me see if there's a snack or something that i eat right like recognizing that like yes my body may make or might have some change right now yes i'm not feeling i'm a little nervous that when i put on real clothes <laughs> something will happen but it's recognizing too that like the identification the over obsession with identifying with our body the recognition that the the healing is not always changing the outside. When we change the inside, the outside follows. But we always, I think in our culture, try to do it differently. Yeah. We always try to change the outside first before we are willing to accept and be loving to the inside. I cannot tell you how many people say to me, I will feel good when. Like, I'll feel good as soon as I lose 20 pounds. I'll feel good as soon as I start my cardio routine. I'll feel good as soon as I never eat sugar. Uh, and I, what I always say is, Possibly, but what you're telling yourself unconsciously is, I'm not okay now. Mm -hmm. I'm not good now. It's not okay. I'm not okay. And so when we recognize that that unconscious message is one that keeps us down, you know, one that keeps down, because then we'll never do it. If you think about it, I say this all the time with folks when it comes to body dysmorphia. Like someone will come into my office, they'll sit down, and they'll just like, I'm really struggling with body image right now. And I just am like, I understand. Okay. Let's talk about it. Someone will say something like, I just feel so heavy and I'm noticing that like, um, I feel bloated. Okay. What else? And then they want to keep going into the body, like the body issue, like, Oh, just like my butt or no. Nope. What else? Mm -hmm. What else? What else? And then we finally get to it. There's something uncomfortable. It's like, you know what? I'm scared uh, because I'm struggling with my work right now. And I don't know what my boss is really upsetting me or I'm fighting with my husband and I don't know what to do. That typically is what I hear, but that's profoundly vulnerable. Yeah. And our mind and our ego wants to protect against that. Mm -hmm. So we'll go into a dysmorphic thought. Wow. So how do we, how do we get out of this? I mean, I don't suppose yeah. that there's a cure, but what's the work that we can do? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I love that question because it's really, it's, it's the, 
answer is profoundly simple and the execution is a lifelong journey. Mm -hmm. That's what is such um, a difficult, this, that is what is so difficult about this process because really healing our relationship to our body and working with body dysmorphia and working with body, like maybe some body dysmorphic thoughts require us to ask ourselves, what else? Like when my clients will say to me, I feel fat today. I said, I understand your mind is struggling, but fat's not a feeling. What are you feeling? That's not a feeling. Fat is not a feeling. Bloated is not a feeling. Too big is not a feeling. Um, upset or, you know, or um, upset at the size of your thigh. That's not a feeling. It's a, it's a thought in the mind. Mm -hmm. Real. It's a thought in the mind. We go underneath it of what's the feeling. Oftentimes the feeling is I'm grieving. I'm scared. Like, especially now in the middle of what we're experiencing, I think a lot of people are terrified. Yeah. But guess what's easy to focus on? Oh my God, I'm getting huge. Oh, I'm just, I, I'm, not, I'm so unmotivated to work out. Oh my God. Possibly, that's probably true. Okay. What else? <laughs> brilliant. Oh, I, I love that you brought up the fact that it's a lifelong journey. When I was um, mid-20s, early 20s, I had an office job. I worked in an advertising agency, and we had this great receptionist. Her name was Sierra. Sierra was in her yeah. 60s, and she sold Mary Kay. <laughs> <laughs> so she was still concerned. And I mean, yes, I was in Texas at the time, and I feel like people do get dolled up a little bit more there. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. But she was very concerned with her appearance and would still be talking about going on diet at 60 years old. And yeah. there I am at 20s in the, the depths of my um, body dysmorphia and exercise bulimia or whatever. And yes. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Am I going to be worried about this when I'm 60 years old? Right. And I was just like, I, I was like, oh my God, is this, is this what I'm destined for? Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, the thing is too, is it's like recognizing too, that it's, if we look at it from a perspective of it's a psychological struggle but not shaming someone and thinking that they are crazy or being aggressive about the emotional impact. It's a psychological struggle because it all starts in the mind. The mind begins to say, this is not okay, or this is okay. And then we create the story around it. I mean, think about it, Kylie, like just maybe 20, 20 years ago, the idea of having a huge ass was considered like, oh my God, we don't want that. Now, apparently, that's quote unquote the style yeah. and people are, you know, it's like just recognizing it's a thought. It's a cultural message. Like we believe all of these ideas mm -hmm. and we associate certain body parts must be bigger, must be smaller, mm -hmm. you know? And like with men, um, with men, with the idea of penis size, like that is like the thing that we're going to be obsessed about with women. It could be boobs. It could be, butt, it could be no wrinkles on the face. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, we have, bought into all these messages and instead of recognizing that we bought a ticket to the circus and we're not sure if we want to stay we like feel like we need to live there <laughs> yes i mean and i agree with you because i i'd be lying if i said that i didn't struggle with any of this right i think that's right, why we're able to do the work that we do is because yes. we've been there and we understand it and i will be an open book and say I mean, I'm, I probably am a little bit too obsessed with the way that I look, right? 
Yes. Show me someone in the fitness industry that's not. Not that it's yes, normal. Exactly. <laughs> right. Well, it's like that willingness to the best part is is it's kind of like I always think my favorite is like, oh, I am not obsessed. I just believe in, you know, um health at every size and we all love each other and everything's great. And I'm like, but you're the epitome of what people want to look like in our culture. Just acknowledge that, right? Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. let's be clear. <laughs> yeah. Like I, t what the thing is, is what I tell my clients all the time is this, Hey, you want a therapist that's a little more fucked up than you, because then I could really help you. Okay. And I am. And I also recognize you also, when a client looks at me and says, I just know that I'm not fat, but I feel like that. And I'm struggling. You don't want someone to look at you and say, Oh, I have no idea what that's like. I will literally look at someone and say, I feel you 100%. We're all in this together on some level. It's a willingness to be able to feel what we do not want to feel. And this is the part that's the most powerful, Kylie, I think out of anything. I really mean this. And I'm a dramatic guy. So when I say this, just bear with me. <laughs> when we really recognize the, the essence that it is so much easier for us to believe a lie than to believe that we were lied to. Because people will stay in this identification of who they think they are or what they think they look like or what their worth is based on a lie oftentimes. You know, we see it on a macro level. We see people that will like, let's say, for example, will deny climate science. And we go, <laughs> oh my God, like, how could someone deny that? That doesn't make sense to me. Like, I don't want to fight about it forever, but that's weird that someone would believe that like, it's not a thing, right? But then I look at like beautiful, amazing people that will list off their flaws to me. And I'm like, God, I just don't see that. The fact that that's your belief, you know, and recognizing that I feel for me personally, what has been the most healing um, journey of my life has been moving my body, eating well, taking good care of myself, loving myself through the process has been the gravy, but the true essence of the healing is recognizing that the way that I choose to see myself will impact my life. The stories I believe about myself will impact my life. Because for years, Kylie, I went to the gym and the entire mantra in my head was like, burn off what you ate, you're fat, get it together. Mm -hmm. The mantra that I have today and my exercise is way more intense typically, is you are, this is so amazing that your body will do this. You are strong. You are healing your body. It has transformed the way that I see it. Now, is it perfect? Absolutely not. Because at eight o'clock in the morning, I can get a glance at myself in the mirror and be like, not bad. 8.30, I'm like, hmm. Not so great right now, right? That's the human part of us. I would be lying through my teeth to tell you I don't have a critical part in my mind that wants to be like, hey, let's, let's assess your flaws right now. <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. And I just want to say that one more time to make sure I got it right. The way I choose to see myself will impact my life. Uh, it will dictate. Dictate. And impact. I, you got it right with, my, with me saying it, but it will dictate it. It will impact it. It will, it will absolutely, absolutely be our experience in life. Yeah, because it will influence all the decisions that you make. We will see 
the way that we choose to view ourselves, we will see that and we will feel that through every aspect of our life. You know, if someone does forgets to call me back, if I'm choosing to see myself as a victim or see myself as unworthy, it's because they don't love me. If I'm empowered, I will know that they're probably busy. If someone smiles at me in a store, it will, because, it will be because they're friendly. If I'm feeling bad about myself, it's because they're noticing my body and they're, they're smirking at it. Like, just think about the reality of how we see ourselves. We will interpret it with every action. You know, it's kind of like, then I think the thing that's so interesting too, Kylie, is that because our world, like it or not, is deeply influenced, deeply influenced by social media. Mm-hmm. It just is. It's the change and we, we can pretend that it's, it's not there, but it is. Mm-hmm. The way that we interpret and the way that we um, see our world through the lens of social media, think about it. In any moment, we can filter, curate, and uh, edit what we're not comfortable with. I get it, but what that does unconsciously to people. Like I work with amazing teen girls all the time that will say to me, I know that it's filtered, but it still bothers me and I want to look like that. Like, I know that it's fake, but I still want to look like that. I'm like, exactly. That's the thing that we have to recognize from a cultural standpoint that we see the struggle going up even a little bit more and even more insidious is because back in the day when you and I were younger, we knew that essentially magazines by professional models. We knew that that was either triggering or people used it as a way to compare themselves. But on some level, we didn't know those people and it was still a little bit removed. Now with social media, people that we know are altering their appearance or filtering or curating or editing it messes with our unconscious mind because it's like we keep getting the message of like, oh, like I need to look perfect or that's a bad angle, so I'm going to delete it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, oh, I don't like the way my skin color looks that day or the angle or the lighting, so let me filter that. There's, and I'm not saying that intrinsically there's anything right or wrong with this behavior. I'm not at all judging it. What I'm saying is, is that on our unconscious mind, it does a number to us because then we start comparing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we start comparing. It's, it's just, it's human nature. And especially, I think you are an exception to this because I find that you are ethical and that you bring a lot of important conversations to the table and that you're motivating and not shaming. But so much fitness and nutrition online is very unconsciously shaming. <laughs> and so then that creates more of like, okay, I'll be perfect if I do it this way. And, you know. It's a hard road to toe or however they say that. It's very tricky. And yeah. to be honest with you, sometimes, like, I have this internal conversation of the time. Am I perpetuating the problem? Like, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's a struggle. And I've talked about it. I don't know if you know my friend Grace Rockwell. She's an intuitive eating coach. Yes. Yeah, I went well, to Costa Rica with Grace. Oh, amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, years, my God, years ago. Years yes. Ago, yeah. So it's so crazy because... Um, you know, you know, my thing is macros, not macros right. for life, macros for awareness. And yeah. she's intuitive eating. And I'm like, oh God, I just, it just, there's so much. It's just. Well, the thing about it, this is the thing that I would say I deeply um, am, um, I, give me a moment for a second. Yeah. I am not in the mix of a lot of traditional professionals that treat eating disorders. Mm-hmm. The reason being, I would say, hands down, the standard is intuitive eating. Some of my good friends that are nutritionists live and die by intuitive eating. 
I would say for me personally, when you're a person that struggles with um, portion control, when you're a person that struggles with addictive eating around with sugar, it's not to say that macro counting is good or bad because everybody has an opinion around that. But what I do know is that when you're asking some, someone that has some addictive behaviors with food to be an intuitive eater, it's like telling an alcoholic to be an intuitive drinker. Uh-huh. And I, that's the way I work. Now, many people, Kylie, that might be listening to this right now will deeply disagree with what I'm saying. And I respect that fully. But what I know to be true for me is that understanding what my body needs, understanding how my body processes things and being willing to avoid foods that cause a problem for me have been profoundly healing. And I think that for some people that could not work. Um, That is not helpful. But what I believe personally is that there's a difference between letting go of diet culture and diet mentality and obsession versus knowing that for me, every time I've tried to intuitively eat, <laughs> it, it's problematic. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. And so for me, I, I think it's like with intuitive eating, that is a, I say that it is a, it can be a goal for some people and that can be profoundly helpful and healing to them. But I also am a big, I'm a believer that I don't label people as food addicts or as overeaters, but I do believe that some food is designed to actually perpetuate and create addictive behavior with the food. And, and really, I, I feel that that honors the person more. So for me, when, I t- when clients will tell me, I'm just such a disaster. I can't stop eating this. I'm so weak. I will say, no, you're actually not. But that food is kind of designed for you to act obsessional around it. Because when they've got seven different kinds of sugar in there, labeled differently, they want you to binge on it. Yep. When, when they've got loaded, when they've got tons of chemicals in there that in other countries are banned, mm-hmm. that's going to create a problem in your system. And so for me, what I like to do when it comes to intuitive eating, if it really is helpful for someone, I support it fully. But oftentimes what I find is people will think that they are the problem and the food is okay. Uh-huh. I'm a believer that we are okay. Some food is a problem. Yes. I recently read a book about this. Um, gosh, it'll come to me in just a moment. But the same thing with, speaking of social media, Instagram, it was designed to be addictive. Candy Crush, the game, it's designed to be addictive. It's, again, it's not you. Right. It's thing. Right. And the thing is, is think about, too, like shame that we put on ourselves when we get pulled into those addictive behaviors that are designed to do it like don't tell me that the manufacturer of potato chips wants us to have a small handful and make sure that the bag lasts us for about a week and a half right they want that bag gone and you being at the store being like oh my god there's a new flavor let's get that too and the thing is is i feel really from a healing perspective when we recognize that we are not the problem and that we're okay intrinsically and really working with those messages, working with eating in a way that's more loving. Like I tell my clients all the time, I know that you love that food, but I try to eat food that loves me back. Ooh, like I'm not, like, oh, that's like, like I, I'm not judging if you want to have breakfast, you're not committing a, a crime. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? Yeah. 
you know, or when it comes to intuitive eating, helping people see when you're over eating or when you're under eating, what are you not wanting to feel? Mm. That's it. What are you not wanting to feel? And so I even think with the, the idea of like counting macros or doing intuitive eating or following any kind of a plan, is it perpetuating shame? Mm-hmm. Is it helping you heal? Mm-hmm. Is it helping us understand ourselves better? But you know, it's kind of like politics, Kylie. People will fight tooth and nail with their view and yeah. recognizing every person's a little bit different. Yeah. Every person's a little bit different. You and know, I, I worked think- in- Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I think that's really powerful. Like you said a second ago, this is what I know to be true for me. So yeah. what's right for Joe may not be right for me, which may not be right for Erica, et cetera. Right. Absolutely. And the thing is, too, is I think also recognizing that we as people have different seasons in our life. And so for me, I'm not going to be at my fighting weight all the time. Right. I'm not. For me, I'm going to sometimes definitely gravitate towards um, comfort foods more. You know, for me, I'm going to really train hard and like track it and like keep track of how many hours I'm doing and really be into it. Other times I'm going to give my body a rest. You know, it's a willingness too that I think we get so caught up with the identification that we get scared. It's like even when it comes to weight during this lockdown period or stay at home quarantine, whatever we call it, (laughs) (laughs) depends on the day. Right. Um, The idea that we may, our body might change. It may. Mm -hmm. Can we say, okay, it may. That doesn't have to become your current obsession. But what I see for people, it is the current obsession because the reality is our world will look different when it starts to open back up again. It just will. Mm -hmm. And it's already changed so drastically. Our psyche hasn't even been able to metabolize that in the course of two months, everything we know is different. Yeah. Like we have not been able to catch up to that. So the the low-hanging fruit... Mm -hmm body image and body dysmorphia oh it's so easy to grab onto it's right there <laughs> yes <laughs> like it's always there yeah it's like well i'm not scared like it's almost like well i'm not going to worry about like will my business be okay but the size of my thighs really are the main concern right now <laughs> like will my children be able to go back to school in the fall that's not really a concern, but I definitely know that I'm a little bit uh, thicker than I was a few weeks ago. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so true. So how does someone know when it's time to work with a therapist on these issues? Because, um, I mean, you, I think everybody should be going to therapy. I believe I would agree. <laughs> I mean, I preach it, but yeah. I also have worked with clients in the past and I'm like, this is out of my scope. Yes. How does someone know when it's time? Like they don't need a nutrition coach. They need a therapist for this. I mean, I would find, you know, it's interesting, Kylie. It's a great question because so um, here in Seattle, a few coaches that I know have actually referred their clients to me to do therapy because they were initially like doing like nutrition coaching, like maybe setting them up with like a macro plan, things like that. And then what they realized throughout the course of working together, they're like, you actually need to talk to these issues. You need to talk about these issues with a counselor. I would say this, the part that's tough is that it's tricky because oftentimes when you start to like, let's say, for example, someone starts to work with you and you start to train them, you start to work with them on nutrition, those issues start popping up. 
And then it's an opportunity to be able to say, oh, actually, you know what? I'm noticing that like some trauma is coming up. I'm noticing that some anxiety and depression, because that's the piece too. Oftentimes with, with our obsession, that keeps our anxiety almost at bay, if that makes sense, because that's the focus. Yeah. And so once we remove that, then all of a sudden it's like all of the emotions and feelings are up. And so I would say to ask ourselves honestly, what's a percentage of the day that I'm focused on my body, what I ate, what I'm about to eat, or something fitness related? What's the thought per percentage in my mind? If it's, if it's really high, mm -hmm. I would say it's an invitation to speak to a professional around what's going on and really helping people see. I'm very conscious of this, Kylie. I'm very anti-pathology. Mm -hmm. I mean, I went to a Buddhist college. That's where I was trained. And so it's, it's, cool. it's who I am as a human. But I'm really anti-pathology and helping people see like, okay, you got some body image stuff. You feel really um, dysmorphic right now. Okay, let's pause what is going on? What's happening for you? You know, like, just tell me what is happening. What are you feeling? What's going on in your life? Tell me about when you were a little, what was your relationship like with food when you were younger? What's your parents' relationship like with food? What's their body image relationship like? You know, the fruit doesn't fall far is what I like to say. And what I tell my clients all the time, the dirty little secret. The first few sessions of therapy, I don't always tell people, we probably need to talk about your childhood, your parents, your relationship with that, because it helps inform how we are as adults, right? And so also recognizing that like, if the majority of our thoughts are something that is related to food, body, et cetera, maybe just getting curious, if we didn't have those thoughts, what would we think about? Whoa. Like if I took, I say to my clients all the time, I actually, you know, I'm the way that I am, I'm dramatic. I'll stand up and I'll like take a pen and wave it over their head. I go magic wand, no more body image distortion, no more dysmorphic thoughts. All right, done. Tell me what else is in your mind. <laughs> and people literally are like, uh, I'm like, exactly. <laughs> like that's, a, it's a powerful distraction. Yeah, because I actually wrote down a second ago, it was earlier, you said, um, like, taking up space in your brain or paying rent in your brain. Yes. That is, that's huge. Well, one thing I say about body image, too, and I would say that it's a day-to-day -day struggle for me still. There's moments where it's still there for sure. I would be lying through my teeth if I told you it was over. But what I can say is this. In terms of bad body image, body dysmorphia, occasionally I'd get an Airbnb there, but I'm not buying a fucking condo. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, I do. Yes. Yeah. Occasionally I get an Airbnb and I'm like, oh, all right. You, I'm glad you did not sign a lease and I'm glad you didn't buy, like, all right. I did not purchase real estate in that area, but I definitely, <laughs> you know, and so that's a piece. It's like a little bit of levity too. You know, like recognizing like we're all human. We have crazy thoughts. You know, I am not at all beyond someone. I just have been willing to be a little more vulnerable, a little more honest and recognize we all struggle with something. You know, I've never, you know, I would never, I, I was not the person in school to be like, I have to be valedictorian uh -huh. or I have to get a higher score in my SATs. But I've definitely been like, all right, I need to be a little bit faster than that person in the spin class next to me. <laughs> you know? Or the guy on the treadmill. 
<laughs> right. Or I'll be like, well, she's 65 and doing the jump ropes. Let me do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, like that willingness, I think, to really recognize that if we can release this idea of pathology and beating ourselves up and feeling shameful that we're struggling, when we really have honest, hard conversations, we're all in the same boat to different degree. Yeah. You know, to a different degree. I mean, have you ever chatted with someone where they said, you know, I have zero body image concerns. I'm a-okay. I've never. Um, yeah, no. And if they told me that, I would call them a liar. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and just recognizing too, that like healing does not look like the issue's gone. Healing does not look like you're, we're not dysmorphic anymore, that we don't have body image issues. Healing is knowing it's a part. It knowing it's a voice. It's typically the voice of criticism. And here's the deeper piece. It's typically the voice in our unconscious that's connected to our ego that's helping us distract from real pain. And this is why you have got to go to therapy. Amen. Right, you have to <laughs> yeah. figure out what it really, really is. That is the work. Yes. Um, I don't want to make this show about me at all, but I will tell you guys. It is about you. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but since I'm here. Um, yeah, it's kind of like Oprah's on her fucking magazine for a right? reason, right? And I also want to apologize. I know I've sworn too much. I'm sure oh, that no. people listening to you are like, who is this foul mouth therapist? I no, apologize. <laughs> they need to know the real us. <laughs> um, you know, I recognize the fact that I, I spend a lot of time on my outward appearance. And I was yeah. like, um, you need, you need to look inward, you know, and beyond yeah. like yoga and, and things like that. I was like, no, you're spending a lot of time focused on the outside. Let's focus on the inside. So yeah. if anyone's, there was not one issue that I wanted to work out. I just knew it was time to look in, you know? Right, exactly. And that's the thing, Kali, I'm so glad you brought it up. Cause I think people go, well, I don't really have any issues. I'm fi- Everything's fine. I don't know what's going on versus recognizing like less the dysmorphia the body image and the obsession are red flags for something going on. That's all. So like if I start getting really hyper-focused where I want to start like weighing myself or I'm starting to get weird with food, that is telling me, uh-oh, red flag, what's going on? Oh, I just bought a house. I'm a little bit scared right now financially. Okay, that's what's going on. Instead of me going, let me go weigh myself to see if I put any weight on, you know? Or if I want to start getting hyper-focused around like, like all right, I think I got to pull down the macros of carbs. I really, I got to go lower. All right. Then I'm like, oh, actually I'm a little bit overwhelmed because I don't know when like anything's going to reopen again. And will my friends with restaurants have business, right? A willingness to recognize like there's stuff going on. Like we feel what we feel, Mm -hmm. you know, and giving ourselves that permission to say, yes, this is true for me right now. And this is what I feel to go deeper. It's not always just about the body. It's just part of it. The body is the outward reflection. Yeah. You know, I'm not some Buddha that's going to say it doesn't matter. But it's just about putting it into perspective. Like on our deathbed, no one's going to be like, God damn, her abs were tight. Right? They're not. But I know our ego looks in the mirror and says, all right, I'm into this. Uh, you know, can we hold space for both? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Before we wrap up, I want to say one more thing. I mean, this is so, this podcast is such a full of great nuggets. Um, Don't feel shameful that you're struggling and bring that back to what we're all dealing with right now. 
Yeah. This is something I'm seeing, and we've already briefly talked about it, but like, it's okay. It's okay that you don't know how to manage it all. Like, it's not. It's not only is it okay. It's it's the reality, and it's human. Like, I don't know about you, but I've never gone through a global pandemic before, right? And the same thing when I work with parents, they beat themselves up because they don't know. I'm like, well, you've never been a mom to an eight-year-old before. How the hell are you supposed to know? Or like, you've never moved cross country with your family before because your partner got a new job. This is new. Or you've never woken up and been like, I, I can't like go and do all the things that I normally did. Like we are so, we are so much more the same. But the mind wants to divide us and be like, okay, let's divide into categories because that's going to help me feel safe. Because we learned when we were young, right? We learned to divide. Are you a boy or a girl? Are you Jewish? Are you Catholic? Are you, do you go to this school? Do you go to that school? Do you vote for, or do you want this team or that team? Like our brains are so indoctrinated. It's so young to compare. So as we do this as adults and we start to compare bodies, think about the damage that that does. Yeah. You know, it's so indoctrinated. You know, I, I, my work with clients all the time is like, I'm going to help you unlearn so much bullshit that you've learned throughout your life. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, and it's no one's fault that you ha- learned that stuff, right? It just Right. We all have learned it. We have all learned it. Huh. Yeah. I mean, I feel, let me share one quick story with you before yeah. we go. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm terrible with time. So you have to stop. Cut me off. Um, in terms of like body image and how powerful the distraction is. So two years ago, my brother died. At my brother's wake service, I was standing next to my mom. My mom, lifelong dieter, lifelong body obsession, lifelong up and down. And I would say her body image distortion and dysmorphia is so powerful that I also absorb that into my DNA a little bit. God bless her. I love her. Good human. But the body image distortion is unreal. At her son's funeral service, I've said to her, mom, you look so beautiful. And she looks at me and she goes, I look fat. And so I looked at her and said, or you are devastated that you're burying your son today. That's what it is. It's not I'm fat. It's not my thighs are too big in that moment just that moment I looked her and said no you're devastated that you're burying your son today because that was the pain the pain was not that she felt fat in her black outfit yeah right and so I share that because that's kind of an extreme or at least you know really in your face example but think about what we do on a day-to-day basis because we just don't want to feel something difficult You know, we feel defeated or we feel shameful or we feel not good enough or we're not sure if we're doing it right. The mind right away is like, well, let's maybe focus on this is a little easier to handle. Let's focus on your size for a little bit or your appearance. Well, and since since you went there, I mean, I observed my mom's stuff all through growing up and I don't think I realized how much of an impact it had on me until, you know, I was in my 20s and realized it. But yeah. it's the same thing, and I know that was passed down to me. Absolutely, it was passed down trauma. That is, that is ancestral ancestral trauma. Yes. It just is. Mm-hmm. 
And think about it, Kylie, like we as humans look at our caregivers and look at our parents as people to show us how to do our life, good or bad. We might not be, we might not want to acknowledge that, but we do. So when the message is all about, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable unless I look this way. I would look at, on a regular basis, I would say to my mom, you know, when you die, I want to have some photographs of you, but you've destroyed them all because you don't like the way you look. Like, I don't, I'm not going to look back and say, oh, my mom was a size 18 in this picture. Like, I want to have some memories. But that's what body image distortion and um, body dysmorphia do is that we won't show up for life when we're in the trenches of it. This is so crazy. Um, I, because I, I want to do a blog or something about this. Um, I missed out on like what should have been the most fun part of my life. Same. Yep. Like I joke all the time. I joke all the time that like at 45, I'm so much more confident than I was at 25, but God, I wish I loved myself a little bit in my twenties. I spent that decade and decade prior hating myself, hating who I was feeling like, you know, unbelievably insecure. And I, 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 I say it with affection and a little bit of levity, but like, ah, oh, I wish I would have like, loved myself in my 20s I probably would have had so much more fun (laughs) exactly exactly I think that's one of the reasons I I have this young spirit is because I was not wasn't young when I should have been right same same yeah yeah and the thing is too is it's like it's about I believe too and I, I witnessed it you know that when there's more love on the inside for the self it radiates out you know and I think that that's the piece that we also have to remember too that like our our healing is not being on the treadmill, but the treadmill, the weights, the scale support us in living the best way that we can. It's all about intention. If, yeah. you're, if you have weights in your hand and you're reminding yourself that you're strong and capable and taking care of yourself, it's a game changer. If you have weights in your hand and you're shaming yourself the whole time, that's going to be a temporary fix. It's going to reinforce more shame and you're going to get back on the merry-go-round again. Oh my God. I can literally talk to you all day. (laughs) I know. I know. Me too. (laughs) Are you taking on new clients or are you like super packed? I am packed, but I always will take on a few people because people rotate in and out of of our work together. You know, some people are finished. Some people take breaks. I have a little more time to see someone else. I'm really grateful that I have a very full practice, but I always like, will chat with someone and see if I could get them in or see if we can make something work. Yeah. Cause clearly we all need more Joe in our life. <laughs> You're sweet. We need more Kylie too. Yeah. I'm here for it. Get ready for the magazine. I know, right? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for your insight. Like you are a gift. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, you're welcome. I will, I'll let people know how to get a hold of you in the podcast. Absolutely. Sure. The best way would be either you can get, you can um, go on my website. It's www.joeivan.com or message me through Instagram. Yeah. Joe's, uh, what is my Instagram handle? Joe Ivan therapy. Yeah. Slide into his DMs, people. He's waiting for you. I know, right? <laughs> oh my well, gosh. Sometimes, it, it, like, the, sometimes with the DMs too that I get from people, it's kind of like, it's always a similar um, experience. It's like, thank you for what you shared. I thought I was the only one. 
you know? And that to me is the most powerful thing. It's like, the thing is, is I believe this, Brene Brown said this years ago when I heard her speak. She said, the most powerful thing we can say to anyone is me too. Yep. Because I can't tell you how many times clients walk in my office, they're in so much shame that they like overate granola the night before, or they, you know, have an event coming up and they binged. Or I know for me, I overate the night before my photo shoot for my website. I was just like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, I, well, I was like, of course, I overate the night before they're taking pictures to put on my website. Right? It's like, me too. I get it. Yeah. We're complicated humans, you know? Yeah, we all do the same thing. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, moving forward, Kylie, maybe you and I in the future can talk again about like the saboteur inside of our psyche, inside, inside of our psyche, recognizing like how that plays a role because the saboteur is really a brilliant, sophisticated part of our ego that's trying to protect us, but it will absolutely ruin it. And so like the um, saboteur is basically like the teenager that sets your home on fire because you were complaining that it was dirty. <laughs> and so, you know, yeah. <laughs> so it's like recognizing that yeah that's another thing you know maybe in the future we can chat about oh yeah well side note another mutual friend of ours um i don't want to say, say your name because i don't want people to know about this but sure we were having a session together yeah and i was like tell me about your hobbies blah, 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 blah. kylie self-sabotage is my hobby yeah. <laughs> Well, for all of us, we, we all have the saboteur. We just do. It's part of our psyche. We have the saboteur. We have the wounded child. We have the prostitute. We have the victim. These are parts of our psyche. They're parts of the, the construct that makes us a human being. The power is, is when we understand when they're running the show. So like when they're running, the, if my saboteur is running the show, I need to have a boundary quick. Because I could either eat like a very um, intuitive um, man, or I could eat like an unsupervised teenager, you know? <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I took notes on all that because I do want to talk more about that. Oh I, this. I am just grateful. Like, this was so fun connecting with you. <laughs> I know. Well, you're an extrovert. You need to see people right now. I know. I'm like, oh, good. Yay. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Joe. Well, thank you so much. We'll be talking very soon. I appreciate You're you. You're very welcome. Yeah, talk to you soon, buddy. Bye. Bye.